Assalamu alaikum. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Best Medicine Podcast. This is the second episode, the second ever episode. It's March 2023 and um, I said this was going to be a weekly podcast, um, but the first episode happened in October of last year. I know what you guys are thinking. How punctual you are, Riyadh. How precise. Are you a German? <laughs> uh, I don't know why it took so long to do a podcast. Maybe I could just use the excuse that everybody is using. Load shedding. That's the reason. It's because of load shedding. I think that's the only benefit of load shedding. The excuse of load shedding. That's the only benefit. Now everybody who's lazy doesn't finish their work like me, right? I have a perfect excuse. Why didn't you finish the project? Load shedding, bruh. I'm sorry. I apologize, boss. I apologize. Why didn't you finish cooking? Load shedding. Anybody can use it. President Cyril Ramaphosa, why didn't you fix the energy crisis in South Africa? Load shedding. Sorry. I couldn't fix load shedding because of load shedding. It's the perfect excuse. So it's my intention to actually do another podcast next week, the third episode, but based on my track record, you know, I hope I don't uh, do the next one after the next pandemic. Um, make dua, inshallah, I, I won't. I'll be, I'll be on time. Next week, new podcast out. So what is the impetus, the catalyst for me doing this actual show? What is the impetus? Why am I doing it? Um, because this podcast is primarily about how laughter, comedy, and creativity influences one's mental health, hopefully in a positive way. And uh, this week, uh, the comedic masterpiece, the fantastically amazing therapy session, Chris Rock's Netflix special, Selective Outrage was streamed live, live, bruh, on Netflix for the world to see almost a year, almost a year after he was slapped by Will Smith mercilessly in a moment of cognitive dissonance. A moment of cognitive dissonance for me that actually affected me emotionally. I was psychologically messed up by that incident because I've been so influenced by both these brasser. Both of these guys, Will Smith, Chris Rock, I utilize a lot of their behaviors, their ideas, their philosophies, and sometimes philosophies to negotiate my personal puny experience of the world of fame. And when that happened, I immediately sided with Chris Rock, even though I love Will Smith. And I don't know why specifically, because like so much of Will Smith's mental tools for achieving success are things that I have used and also have adopted through following a lot of his like ideas and reading his book. It's been hugely beneficial to me. 
but it affected me extremely negatively. And when I watched Chris Rock's special Selective Outrage, I thought it was an edited masterpiece. And I say edited masterpiece because live it was not a masterpiece because he made two fluffs. As a performer, right, I so much, and a person who loves Chris Rock, I so much wanted it to be perfect. I so much wanted it to be perfect. I feel that if he didn't make those little mistakes, one at the beginning, one at the end, while he was doing his Will Smith jokes, right, if he hadn't done that, I would have solidified in my mind, crystallized for all time, that he is the GOAT. Just based on the performance. You know how difficult it is to do live content perfectly. It was streamed live. And that whole set was performatively perfect. Except in the beginning and at the end. And I was so upset because I wanted it to be perfect. It could have been perfect. It could have been if he had done it like at the end with his mic drop. He would have been the GOAT. In my, he is the GOAT for me. But like, I mean, I would argue like LeBron Jordan that he's the GOAT. I would argue with anybody. I love Chappelle, you know, love Pryor, Murphy, but if he had done that perfectly in terms of performance, the GOAT, undeniable. Will Smith should have actually, if he didn't make those two mistakes, Will Smith should have been waiting backstage with his Oscar to actually hand it to Chris Rock because it would have been so amazing to see. But he made those two fluffs, bruh. And when I watched it the first time, right, I, 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 I was so captivated by it. And then I was like thinking, why didn't they fix? Why didn't Netflix fix the mistake? Because Chris Rock reacted very quickly to the mistake. He reacted very quickly and he fixed it and he got the audience together again. And then he delivered the thing. Right? And I was like, why didn't Netflix fix it? Right? So for like a day, they didn't fix it, but then they fixed it. And then I actually watched the end piece again. And I watched it from beginning to end. Watch him orchestrate the audience like a conductor. Or conduct the audience like an orchestra, rather. And I was moved to tears. After I was, like, <laughs> I was crying. My son came through and he was like, what's going on, bruh? <laughs> I'm just, I'm reading Quran here, you're watching foul mouth Chris Rock. And, and you, 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 drawn, you brought to tears. What the heck is going on here? And I have so many questions about why I feel so deeply about this. And I wanted to unpack, unpack this tonight. Because it was definitely therapeutic for me. I'm sure it was therapeutic for him. Um, but I don't understand since we're in a, like, we're on a ball in the middle of space, right? Infinity in every single direction. There's wars. There's pandemics. There's earthquakes. Why am I so emotionally invested in these guys in the entertainment industry? I was so upset when he made those, that error. Oh, bruh. Like, I mean, first of all, the delivery was like, great. first of all, the whole show, the first mistake, the first mistake, first of all, it's difficult. This whole thing, most difficult because we know that the audience has nerves. Sometimes the audience has nerves. On a momentous occasion when people have to film something, the audience even has nerves. 
right? We know this is going to be streamed live on Netflix. So not only is Chris Rock probably a bit on edge, but the audience is nervous, right? And he has to come out there and perform live on Netflix flawlessly after being humiliated and slapped by the biggest movie star in the entire world a year earlier at one of the biggest, most prestigious, actually the biggest, most prestigious entertainment event in all of Hollywood and embarrassed, treated like, like it was nothing based on a very, very, very insignificant joke in my opinion. And then he came out there after a year of keeping quiet about it. Because I remember him on stage after being slapped. He was like, oh, I could. Like he was about to retaliate with his words. And I've seen Chris Rock in those moments. He is definitely acerbic and capable of attacking with jokes or vitriol. And he didn't. He held himself back. Oh, I could. Oh, I could. And he didn't. He could have, he could have, he could have had Will Smith arrested. He could have sued Will Smith, like Jim Carrey said, for $200 million. He didn't do that at all. Didn't say anything about it. Instead, he decided to Transform his pain, his humiliation into jokes. He channeled all that hurt, that embarrassment into laughter, smiles, and a piece of art that's going to stand the test of time. And in my opinion, it's a comedic masterpiece, edited masterpiece. It could have been, right, the live masterpiece that would be studied, that could have been studied for all time. I just love Chris Rock. I'm biased. I'm biased. Right? You're the most influential comedian for me in the formative years, my formative years as a stand-up comic. Although, people will be surprised by that because like, I'm like very clean. My humor is very clean. Family humor. But um, if people understand joke writing and how you struggle, like, I've been very influenced by, by Chris Rock. And I was so upset he made those two errors because I was like, I know how difficult it is to get that perfect. First of all, in the beginning, he made a stupid error just before. Like he came out there, the applause, the music was perfect. You know, the build-up was perfect with like paying homage to his old specials. He walked out on stage, the audience gave him a nice response. And then he said, what did he say? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. What did he say again? Let me just see. I wrote this down. Right. No, no. He said this. He said this. Thank you so much to coming to my Netflix special. Not, it's, it's thank you so much for coming, Chris. He was like, thank you so much to coming to my Netflix special. I'm like, it's for coming, not to coming. Grammar, motherfucker. Grammar. Right? <laughs> but I was like, why would you make that? But I understand there's so much nervous energy running through you, adrenaline's pumping through your bloodstream, your heart. And he made a little fluff. And everybody makes those fluffs live. It's, it's normal. You know, 
We walk our whole lives. Everybody trips. Sometimes you trip with your lips. Sometimes it happens. And I just hate that it happened. But then everything else in terms of performance was delivered flawlessly. I'm telling you flawlessly. I watch. I Some people won't even have noticed that. Thanks so much. Took coming. I noticed this stuff, bro. I noticed. I've noticed. This that thing was performatively perfect. Right? And then he went to the end. You know? And it was just, yeah. In terms of the comedic, right? So many quotables. Chris Rock, in my opinion, is like the most quotable comedian. Some people don't like the stuff. Most quotable comedian. You remember the stuff that he says. He's, he's written like, mem- like classic, so many classics. He's one of the most influential comedians. And then he gets to the end. Right? And how did he bring that in? You know, first he was talking about selective outrage. And it's interesting in looking at the Twitter backlash and everything about everything that he was talking about specifically in his special is unfolding now, right? On social media and in the media at large. Everything is unfolding. Everything that he was speaking about. And the end he came out there and he said, Beyonce. He starts by leading it in to the Will Smith material with Beyonce, right? Uh, and I think um, paying reference to uh, Jada's beauty or the power of female beauty, although that's not entirely clear, and that's why I love how artistic this special actually is because there's so much thematically that's open to interpretation. If you look how... Like, um, he builds his whole special. But you got to watch it afterwards. Because I know that it spoiled, I would have spoiled a lot of the experience of the actual show because of the Will Smith slap and people wanting just to hear the Will Smith material, right? Um, just the anticipation of that would have um, actually marred some of the enjoyment of the actual special. But he talks about Beyonce. I know she talented. Extremely talented. But even with all that talent, ain't nothing more powerful than the beauty. Beyonce is one of the finest motherfuckers I've ever seen. Apologies for the impersonation. (laughs) Beyonce is so fine that even if she worked at Burger King, she could still marry (laughs) Jay-Z. She could still marry Jay-Z. She could still get her a billionaire, great rapping businessman. Now, if Jay Z worked at Burger King, <laughs> the audience is destroyed, bruh. Right? He's got them at this point. Right? And then he says, By the way, that is not a Jay Z diss. I do not need another rapper mad at me. I don't need that smoke, right? And at that point, the audience is going, they're having the anticipation, is he going to go into the Will Smith material? And then actually you see in his performance, he clicks with a different amount of energy. And he goes, y'all know what happened to me? Getting smacked by Suge Smith, (laughs) right? And the audience now starts to explode, bro. Everybody knows, yes, it happened. Almost a year ago, I got smacked at the Oscars like a year ago. And people ask me, did it hurt? 
it still hurts. I got summertime ringing in my ears. <laughs> Drums, please. Audience, destroyed. Because now he's taking, you must understand, he's taking an assault, something that's so negative, and he's completely subverting it with such a playful joke. It's extremely playful. And, and, and it's therapeutic. It's healing immediately. Right? But I'm not a victim, baby. He says, I'm not a victim. You're never going to see me on Oprah, Gail, crying. Never going to see that. I, I can't believe it. I love men in black. No. Right? Never going to happen. Fuck that shit. I apologize for the swearing. Fuck that. I took that hit like Pacquiao, motherfucker. <laughs> Audience, loving it, bro. Loving it. I took that hit like Pacquiao. And the people say, but you guys are almost fi uh, always fighting. It's like, oh, we're not fighting, right? People can't see on TV, but Will Smith is significantly bigger than me. We are not the same size, right? This man does movies with his shirt off. You ain't never seen me do movies with my shirt off. <laughs> if I'm in a movie getting open heart surgery, I'm wearing a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. Uh, Muhammad Ali, you think I auditioned for that shit? He played Muhammad Ali. Who did I play? Pookie from New Jack City. <laughs> Audience destroyed, bro. Destroyed. Killing them, bro. I don't want to spoil all the jokes, right? But he does some hardcore jokes, bro. Hardcore. Right, first he goes on, like, uh, he talks about Will Smith practicing selective outrage. And then he brings it thematically. From the start, back to culminate in this joke. Ah, there, now look at my kids now. I'm busy filming here, bro. I need to close that door. Yeah, these guys... Sorry, this is the, the issues of being the father of four children. <laughs> you know, my kids actually heard, like the Chris Rock, because I was watching it, right? And they heard the material, right? What was he saying? He was saying, uh, they called Will Smith a bitch. <laughs> Everybody called him a bitch. The drink champs called him a bitch. Charlemagne called him a bitch. And <laughs> my son heard the thing. <laughs> Call him a fucking bitch. It's like, why is Marty from Madagascar swearing? Daddy, why is Marty from Madagascar swearing? So, <laughs> <sighs> but anyways, right? So he does. You, I suggest you watch the special, right? But now it's fixed. It's it's fixed the the, the bit. But at a certain point, he uses the incorrect word instead of. Uh, concussion, which is Will Smith's old movie, he says emancipation, and that kind of messes with the punchline of a joke, right? And when that happens, right, he says, oh, I fucked up the joke. Now, as performers, you are conducting the audience like an orchestra, 
And if you make a mistake, albeit a momentary mistake, they lose momentary confidence in you. Because you negotiating them, especially sometimes through very hard material. And you got to be in control. You got to say, I'm going to take you through this and we're going to laugh at this. It's all okay. And when you make an error, they lose momentary confidence in you. And that spoiled the flow. He brought it back perfectly. I could see in that moment he was going, edit, edit, edit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix it and edit. And he made all the adjustments so that people would be able to, the editors will be able to snip it out perfectly. But, right, at that moment, the audience, which we was conducting perfectly as a performer, I know, I know this, how perfect it was, right? If he hadn't made that mistake, he would have completely destroyed even more because he did, he brought it back. He does, did this, this, this joke, which was so edgy and so hilarious, right? It was so on brand. And he had a perfect mic drop moment. And people think there's certain things. Everything, every, a lot of the Christian rock jokes you have to think a little bit about. You're going to have to think a little bit about what he's saying. And if he had to get it perfectly, he would have annihilated the audience. Annihilated. Annihilated. Destruction. And as I said, Will Smith should have been waiting. Right? In the back to give him an Oscar. Because that remember that's what happened with Will Smith, dude. Right? After Will Smith like punched him <laughs> well smacked him in the face. He got an Oscar for our award. <laughs> and and he was all like buggered. Right? He was talking about I'm a protector. I'm a protector. Um Denzel. Denzel. Denzel told me in the break that remember at your highest moment, the devil will come for you. Yee. Right. And you got, I get an Oscar after assaulting, assaulting someone. Bruh, you should hand that Oscar in also, right? And they should get, get him a gold version of the Oscar. Uh, they should give him a gold version of Oscar Pistorius and give that back to him. You give him an Oscar Pistorius, not an Oscar. It's kind of tainted. The perfection of it is tainted. Because he did something really bad. And I think it affected me. This whole thing affected me. I cried when I saw the perfect version of the edit. Because I saw the build and it, it moved me to tears. And I, I I don't understand why I'm siding so much with Chris Rock because I love Will Smith. I love his ideas. I love what he stands for. I love his aims in life. I love what he's trying to do because like some people don't believe everything you read on the internet. Get it from the source. If you read this book, you'll see how he lays out. He's so thoughtful. And actually in that way, he's very, very similar, very similar to Chris Rock. The only problem is Will Smith wor worships his own perfection. His own perfection as a human being, whereas Chris Rock worships his art. And I think, I think uh, my issue has got to do with that. 
I think that's at the heart of the problem that I have. Because I was a really messed up. It was a moment of cognitive dissonance when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. It completely psychologically messed me up. And especially since, you know, I thought now, it may be better after this happening for to be a bad person who does good things as opposed to be a good person who does something bad. I shifted my perspective because I always try to, you know, be, I'm not a goody two-shoes, but I, like, I, I try very hard, you know, to do the right thing. And based on how he was dragged, if I compare how Will Smith has been dragged based on his mistake, and I compare it to guys like Andrew Tate, even Mike Tyson, um, Donald Trump, people with clear imperfections, people with clear imperfections, clear aspects to themselves that are clearly bad, but then they offer value in some other way. They have a foundation of imperfection and then they offer some value. It may be better than offering a foundation of perfection and then making a mistake. And that is something that is messing with me and I haven't quite clarified that or understood that in my mind. I think I need to talk about this a little bit more. I'm going to talk about it next week. Or maybe I'm going to actually, I'm actually going to put out the podcast before then. Because I think I have these days. <laughs> okay, so but anyways, guys, join me on uh, Patreon if you can. Uh, follow my Patreon. Uh, I'm going to try and make a lot of podcasts. Follow me on all my social media. And just remember, new material is available for download on my website. If you haven't seen new material, the comedian's cut of new material, please download it now. It's available on my website. And uh, But if you go to Patreon, you can actually get a lot of all the content without any ads. You have access to all my comedy specials. And um, I'm going to post so much, so much content on there. Um, yeah, so tune in next week when I talk about Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs>